This is InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's what's happening on this week's show. Few things are more scary than a heart attack. It can mean sudden death. But research by a top cardiologist reveals a routine habit we can follow that will boost our odds of survival. That's like an insurance policy, so to speak. If you were to unfortunately suffer a heart attack, it makes it much more likely that that'll be less significant, less fatal, and less likely to lead to disability later in life. Then, innovative planning and design can make America's cities far more livable. We'll talk to an urban design expert to get the story. We were really focused on you know, the maintenance of our streets, and the idea of plazas or bike share or anything like that was certainly not on the agenda, but it was on the horizon. Those two interviews and much more are coming your way on this week's show. InfoTrack begins right after this. InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's your host, Chris Whitting. How can we improve our odds of survival should a heart attack suddenly strike? Research reveals the surprising answer. With the story, here's InfoTrack's Roy Mackey. Roy? Thank you, Chris. We're talking with Dr. Michael Blaha, a preventative cardiologist at the Chickaroni Center for the Prevention of Heart Disease at Johns Hopkins Hospital in Baltimore, and he recently led a study that examined the long-term benefits of regular physical exercise. Dr. Blaha, welcome to InfoTrack. Thanks for having me. So how many Americans get enough exercise? Not enough, unfortunately. The most recent statistics would say that, unfortunately, less than half of all Americans get the prescribed amount of exercise that leads to the heart benefits we like to see. So I would say that more than half of your listeners probably are not getting the amount of exercise they need. So you were studying the long-term benefits. Just tell us exactly what you were studying. Well, in this particular study, it was interesting. We were looking at exercise habits and physical fitness levels well before one would suffer a heart attack. Then we looked at those people who went on to suffer a heart attack, and we looked to see if people lived longer after their heart attack, if they were regular exercisers or were more fit years prior. We found that in those people unfortunate enough to have a heart attack were fortunate if they were exercisers or were physically fit, and they survived their heart attacks much better. So in other words, if you work out, your survivability of a heart attack is better. That's right. And this is an important message for people with, let's say, family histories of heart disease or people who are known to have an elevated risk of heart disease. We like to tell those patients that if you exercise now and achieve an optimum level of physical fitness now, that's like an insurance policy, so to speak. If you were to unfortunately suffer a heart event, a heart attack, for example, it makes it much more likely that that'll be less significant, less fatal, and less likely to lead to comorbidities or disability later in life. And there are far more benefits to exercise than just cardiovascular health, right? Oh, absolutely. So in our studies, for which we look at a lot of different outcomes, we've looked at survival in general from all causes, including cancer. We've looked at survival from causes that are related to diabetes or survival that are causes that are related to hypertension or also things like arrhythmias of the heart. So whether it be from cancer or diabetes or all the cardiovascular causes, Physical fitness achieved earlier in life leads to better survival and less problems from each of those causes later in life, including better survival and prevention of cancer. Presumably, someone who has worked out their entire life is still going to have a head start over someone who begins exercising at age, for example, 50. That's right. The good thing is, even at age 50, if one were not as physically fit as they would like to be, 
research certainly shows that with an exercise program that's safe and well done, one can achieve a more optimal level of physical fitness in a reasonably short amount of time that's readily attainable for many people. So while it's certainly better to exercise earlier in life, no doubt, it gives you more years of protection, it is always okay to start exercising later as well and you will still accrue benefits. Now, you mentioned a reasonable amount of time. That's a, a good question for a lot of people because let's say someone has been diagnosed with high blood pressure and they're hoping to lower it through exercise. What's a reasonable amount of time that they should see some noticeable differences? If they're exercising most days of the week for, let's say, 12 to 24 weeks, they will almost certainly start to see many changes, I guess, in their body, including lowering their blood pressure by at least a couple points. Likely, if their eating doesn't change and they're exercising, as we mentioned, they'll probably start to see a few pounds drop off their waist. They'll probably likely also see if their sugars are high, their sugars come down a few points. Other blood tests might also improve, but it includes, for example, a blood pressure, which we think will drop on the order of several points over that time if one really sticks with an exercise plan. Now, you're describing a three- to six-month time frame. A lot of people are looking for instant success, aren't they? People are interested in instant success. The good thing is they see benefits at different time points. I think you can start feeling better about yourself just about right away. I think most of my patients who start on a real intense, focused exercise plan tell me they start feeling better about themselves within a couple weeks, if not better, and their sleep might improve, their well-being might improve, their desire to eat healthy foods might improve. And that sometimes precedes the start the measurables, like the weight change, the waist size reduction, the blood pressure reduction. But I think what can really drive people to stick with their plan is the way they feel about themselves. And that can include their mental health, their sexual health, social health, that all can improve very rapidly after starting exercise because it does give you that natural well-being. So how much exercise is beneficial? And does that really mean a hardcore workout or is lighter exercise good enough? I'll say two things. We know that the more the better and that even a little bit is good. So what I mean by more is better is that the more exercise you do, you still continue to accrue benefits. But that doesn't mean you need to do a lot to see some benefits. Even a little bit of exercise is better than none. In fact, Studies have shown that just walking, in fact, walking on the order of three to five miles of total walking a day, which isn't much when you consider adding it up over the course of the whole day, can lead to marked health improvements. And that's separate from exercise. That's just walking. Then if one adds one to two days of exercise, what I mean by that is breaking a sweat, perhaps on a treadmill or jogging or even running, you can see added benefits on top of the walking. So just walking is better than nothing. A few days of jogging is better than just walking. And, of course, running is better than jogging. And it really goes on like that. But you can see benefits just from turning from a couch potato into a regular walker. Dr. Blaha, if you go to a gym, many of the machines, treadmills and so forth, have heart rate monitors built in. If someone is just trying to improve their cardiovascular fitness, is there a particular heart rate they should be at for a specified amount of time? Or how does that work? There's a lot of debate about that. I fixate a little less on the heart rate number than perhaps others would. It becomes more critical when it's really doing long-distance aerobic training, for example. Many of my patients are not in the situation of training for sport, for example. They're just trying to get physically fit. And I tell them I just like to see their heart rate get up and I like to see them break a sweat, for example. And if you're really looking at a number, it'd be nice to get to 60% of one's max predicted heart rate and calculate that by 220 minus your age. Get at least above 60% of that and you're probably going to reach that sweat. So there's lots of ways of calculating kind of the same concept. But it is good sometimes to track the heart rate just to make sure that one's getting vigorous enough of activity. But I think you'll find that one can achieve 60% of the max predicted heart rate with 
without having to do heavy running, for example. Was there one thing in particular that was surprising to you in this study? The entire study that we're talking about is actually a long-term project we've done for years now looking at physical activity, and we've really now shown in a couple of different scientific papers now that physical activity and physical fitness prevents hypertension, prevents diabetes, prevents heart attacks, death from any causes, and then this latest paper prevents death after a myocardial infarction, after a heart attack. The surprising thing, I think, about all of our studies is, number one, the strength of the association. Physical activity is even better than we thought. That's reassuring. Number two, I'm not sure many people were aware in our recent study of how important it is that if you do suffer a heart attack, your physical fitness will determine the survivability of that heart attack. And that comforts a lot of our patients who are really trying to avoid, let's say, the consequences that happen to their family members who died of a heart attack or something like that. If you could just limit that fatal heart attack to a smaller heart attack and then rehabilitate after that, that's an enormous win of itself. So the idea that physical fitness can lead to better survival, even in people who do have a heart attack, was pretty startling. And I think it's going to have a lot of people reconsidering what recommendations we make for their high-risk patients. In fact, we're going to tell them to exercise just like everyone else. So any final words of advice for someone who's listening to this and going, okay, I'd like to get started, but I'm not exactly sure how? Start with walking. If you don't do much physical activity throughout the day, i.e. you do a lot of screen time, start by walking. Start by getting perhaps a pedometer and measuring your steps and try to get to 10,000 steps a day. That's five miles total of walking a day. Everyone can do that. And that does not mean going to the gym and running. That just means walking throughout the day. So get to your 10,000 steps first and then start your exercise program. Start with about two days a week and moving to four to five days a week of vigorous physical activity, which can include treadmills or elliptical trainer or jogging or whatever your favorite activity is, including swimming. And that's the path to a sustainable physical activity plan that you'll enjoy doing. Dr. Michael Blaha, preventative cardiologist from the Chickaroni Center for the Prevention of Heart Disease at Johns Hopkins Hospital. Dr. Blaha, is there any place online where you recommend people learn more? I'd say there's a lot of good sources out there. And you can start with perhaps Johns Hopkins. Well, thank you again for joining us on InfoTrack. Thank you for having me. And for InfoTrack, I'm Roy Mackey. Next, redesigning America's cities can make them a lot more people-friendly. That story, coming up. Stick around. There's more InfoTrack straight ahead.